Good to see you all here today. Good to see, have you on joining us online. You know, I'm excited about just seeing some new faces and seeing some faces that we haven't seen in a while. I know one of our families, they were out of town actually before all this started, and then they were out, of course, for this. And so it's funny, again, I mentioned this before, but it's funny to see how much kids have grown during this time. And I think even you, some of you have gotten taller, so it's good. Hey, have you ever had this experience where you thought you knew the words to a song? Maybe you've hummed it or sang it, and then you find out the real words? And how wrong you were. <laughs> I don't know if you've done that before, but there's whole websites. I mean, I was just, I mean, sometimes when I'm, when I'm looking up things for a sermon, you know, I'll, I'll sometimes get lost in these searches and just laughing at how funny we are. I, I don't know if you've ever done this, but there's some funny songs. I remember, you know, years ago hearing that song, you know, the Eagle song, there's going to be a, what tonight? I always thought it was Heartbreak. But it's heartache, which is close enough. But some of the things people thought, you know, hard egg, like, I don't know why you would think that. But, but you know, you just hear it. It sounds like that. Um, I don't know. It's just funny. I, I actually do remember, though, I actually thought it was going to be a party tonight. And I thought it was going to be, who, who thought it was going to be party? Thank you. Thank you. You and me. Because <laughs> I always thought, what a weird song. Why is it so sad there's going to be a party? Because the rest of the song sounds horrible. But, Okay. And, and the Eurythmics, remember that? Sweet dreams are made of what? Well, some people think cheese, which I don't disagree. I, I mean, it depends on the cheese. But, um, you know, we built this city on what? Well, evidently a lot of people think sausage rolls, which I'm not sure how that would work. But, um, which is funny, too, because a lot of these misunderstandings, it's the actual song title. And people are getting it wrong. But, but I'm not going to read them all. But... Um, <laughs> oh, okay, Bohemian Rhapsody, you know, that song, was, it, it's a catchy song, and it came out, evidently it wasn't super popular when it originally came out, but then Wayne's World made it really popular, and it's popular again, but there's that line in there, saving his life from monstrosity, good, someone was really sure about that, okay, I get you, okay, yeah, okay, really sure about that, well, evidently some people thought that was warm sausage tea, I don't, the whole... <laughs> Um, I don't get it. But how about Footloose? Remember that? Footloose, pet goose, right? Picked a fight with a moose, right? Cheese, stiff breeze. Watch out, <laughs> there are 10 bees. Okay, I, I don't know. I, I, you know what? I know I've done that a lot of times because there's been so many times and I couldn't remember any of mine. But, but when I laugh at other people, it's funner anyway, right? Okay, funner, funnest, funner, funnerest. The problem with Christianese is when, when we have words that are so meaningful to us inside, and then outsiders don't get it. And you try to explain it, or maybe, maybe there's a point where you even find that some parts of Christianity maybe are so misunderstood that people, maybe they're threatened by Christianity, and they, they mock it or make fun of it, and, and, and it hurts because, it hurts on two levels. It hurts, one, because you just feel defensive about it, because, hey, that's... You're attacking the most important part of me. You're t- attacking the deepest part of who I am. But then there's another level of hurt because you want them to get it. You want them to understand and you want them to understand why it matters so much. So one thing that I, I've seen people, a lot of people just, it's, I, I know they don't get it. But when they talk about what it means to, to have faith and to believe. You know, we all believe in something, Right? What's funny is, you know, a lot of times people look at maybe Christianity or Christians as, as having a faith built on nothing, or it's, it's blind faith, or 
It's, it's faith without reason. And a lot of times people even define it that. They'll, they'll say faith is when you believe in something with no backing or no reason. And I look at them and think, well, first of all, I mean, my, everything within me wants to cry out, no, you don't get it. But, but then you have to be honest and, and help. You have to realize that people who say that, they don't know what you know. And they haven't lived the life that you've lived and haven't experienced what you experience. And there may be things about your Christian faith that nobody could ever shake because you know you lived it. And there may be things, if we're really honest, that there's times when your own faith has been shaken and you need to be reminded about who God is. But in reality, that's all a faith walk. And as you walk through that, your faith is sometimes stronger, sometimes maybe not as strong. And maybe you've been in a church service where as the preacher is going, you realize, wow, I thought I believed, but I realize my faith is lacking in this area and it needs to grow. I might ask you this way. I had had a student one time. He was a great young preacher and he still is. And I had him uh, preach in a Wednesday night service for youth. And for his altar call, he did this. He said, he said, I want you to stand if your faith has ever been stronger than it is right now. Well, 80% of the house stood. And he said, well, you all need to get to the altar because you're, <laughs> you're not living right. It was really funny. It's almost like a trick. Like he tricked him into standing up for the altar call. And, I mean, I, I laughed and thought, well, I'm not sure how effective that is in the end. Why do you believe, though? What's your faith grounded on? Is it something that could be ripped out from under you? Because when, when people who don't get it and don't know, and they desperately need to know, I mean, this is a life or death issue. And not a life or death issue that's just today. This is eternity. What we're talking about here is if it's not real, then your faith is in vain. That's right out of the Bible. If it is real, then everything depends on it. And it matters. And it's not just an academic exercise or, or it's not a matter of semantics. What I'm talking about, is it real or is it not real? And as I said a minute ago, everybody believes certain things about everything. And most of what we think we know in life really comes down to a matter of faith. I mean, none of you built your car, right? Right? Now, I know people in here who could do that. And I, I, I definitely know, I know if Ron's dad was here, he has literally built cars that he drives, but honestly, if I built it, I don't know if that would make me feel more comfortable. But, but here's the thing. You take it on faith that somebody built it correctly. You take it on faith that when you press that brake, that everything that goes into it, and now today with our cars so complicated, there's computers involved. It's not just hydraulics. It's a lot more than that. And that when those calipers push in on that rotor, some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. But it's a real thing. You have to believe me. But here's the funny thing. Whether you believe me or not, you're going to get back in the car and you're going to act like it's real and it works because you believe it. You know that. <laughs> These chairs you're sitting in. When you sat down, why did you think it would hold you? And that's no offense to anybody. I've broken chairs. I'm not even saying that. <laughs> I know Gary back here. I went to shake his hand one day and literally the chair back broke. And he literally, sorry, Gary, if I'm telling a story on you, I literally was shaking his hand. He reached back to shake my hand. The chair broke, and he literally laid out on the floor. And we both were just laughing at it, at the same time thanking God that it wasn't a visitor or a lady in a dress. (laughs) Now, you all will look at your chair differently, won't you? Give it a little shake. (laughs) We take everything on faith. 
almost everything we think we know, we don't know for sure. We didn't build it. We didn't investigate it. We didn't do the scientific research. We trust that somebody else has done that. So when it comes to your Christian faith, why do you believe it? This is a huge question. It may be the most important question of all. Now, you could go through life and just live it. You can grow up in a home that, that believes in Christianity, and you can go to church every day, and you can learn the books of the Bible, and you can dress right and look right and talk right. But let me ask you an important question. Does that make you a Christian? No, it doesn't. Just like standing in your garage doesn't make you a car. I can dress a lot of ways. I can dress up as a certain thing. I can do all those things, but that's not what it means to be a Christian. What it really means to be a Christian is to actually believe that Jesus Christ actually lived on this planet, that he actually was God, the Son of God, that he actually took our place on the cross because only he could, as part God, part man, 100% man, 100% God, living a sinless life. He was the only one who could do it. And that he actually paid the price for the things that we have done that were wrong. And that actually we believe that 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 sacrifice changes it. Now you may look at it and you say, well, I don't know. Do really people believe that? Maybe you're watching online and you're saying, that's what Christians believe? Yeah. Yes. And we actually believe that there's a real God who really intervenes in our lives. Who really has a, has a, you can have a relationship with him that is new every morning. It doesn't happen by itself. It's not like he sits on your shoulder and you've got the one on one side and one on the other and they're talking in your ear and are you going to go with me today? Are you going to go with him? Or It's not that. So you may be sitting here thinking, wow, I didn't know that it was quite like that. It is. And does it matter? Yes, it does. But is it blind faith? Is it something that we ask you to believe just because somebody said it? Or because you walked in here and you sat down and, and I'm saying it here today? Or you're watching online and somebody, how somehow you accidentally found this feed and, and you're wondering, is this really real? Well, as me ask you, how do you know it's real? Why do you trust it? Why, wh- what is it that is, that is giving you that satisfaction and confidence? I know some people, going back to the car thing, they would never drive a Ford. Because <laughs> they just don't trust them. And then other people that feel the same way about Chevy or Dodge or whatever brand you think, right? I've had cars like that. I've had cars where <laughs> every smell I smelled on the highway, I was worried it was my car. Anybody ever had a car like that? I don't care if it was antifreeze or smoke or oil. I'm like, oh, not again. I didn't have faith in that car. Because, Why? It has let me down over and over because I had walked with that. I had walked with that car. I had, okay, I had, I had lived with that car and it had disappointed me over and over. It had failed me many, many times. I knew that I couldn't trust it because of my experience with it. Does that make sense? There's times, though, where I've gone to the mechanic and the mechanic said, you can trust it now. Did I trust it? I had a little doubt. But I had to put my faith in what the mechanic said. Right? Why? Because he's an expert. He knows what he's doing. He knows way more than me. He could take it apart and put it back together. And it's not, and, and, and quite honestly, that exact experience, what was flashing in my memory, was the last time it broke down. And I could trust him. And he did a great job. 
But how do you know that? How do you know that about this, about what we say we believe? Now, some of you have had experiences that cemented it in your heart and mind. And you know beyond a shadow of doubt that, that he's real because he's moved and done things in your life. For some of you, maybe that happened for you at a younger age. Maybe for you, that you've, you were in church and you had an experience with God that changed everything. I've known people who, who have come to him with a broken life and maybe addictions and then, and then literally they turn their life over to God and they say, yes, I know you're real. I'm sorry for the things that I've done that were wrong. I accept your forgiveness and they are changed instantaneously. I know that. I know them. Never again an addiction. That's a miracle. It's amazing. Some of you may be like me. I mean, I've, I've seen God do amazing miracles in my life. Well, for other people, I've, I've seen it with my own eyes. I will never forget. I was going, kind of going over some of these with my mom recently because I just wanted to rehearse. Like, this is exactly how it happened. You know how when you're a kid, you know, your memory is your kid memory. Then you have to compare it to maybe some adults who are actually in the room. I think I've told this story before. My little sister was about two, a little toddler, you know, and into everything. And I was uh, probably 12 at the time. And the way we did our family lunches after church on Sundays, it was just a tradition. We did it forever. I mean, the whole, my whole middle school, high school experience was like this, where my parents would put a, a roast, prepare it, you know, put the potatoes, put it all in, in together in a big pot, and put it in the oven, set the timer. Anybody else do this? Do we, is that even a thing anymore? Can you do that? I don't even know if ovens have timers anymore like that. But. So we'd come home, and it would be done from church. So what we do is, I mean, it's just a pattern. We all did this. You all go to your room and change. And I don't remember who. One of my parents took it out, set it on the stove so it would cool off. And then we come back in, right? So I remember changing and hearing this blood-curdling scream. And we all run into the kitchen. My little toddler sister had gone in and just like toddlers do and grabbed that and pulled it onto herself. She was squirming on the ground. God, I can't believe it. it makes me emotional all these years later. My mom pulled open her shirt and her little skin was just peeling and just bubbling and and uh, we started praying. We didn't think about it. We didn't say, hey, is this going to work this time? We didn't say, God, are you real? Because if you're real today, you're going to do what I need you to do. Because that's normally how we come to him, right? We just prayed. Put our hands on her and prayed. And I remember as a 12-year-old boy watching her skin go, boom, back to pink, right at her skin, just like that. Look, I, I, I've had other times where I prayed and it didn't work out the way I thought. But when people come to me and they say, God's not real and healing's not real and this isn't... I, I don't look at him as somebody who's a jerk or mean. or I look at him as somebody who, I wish you knew what I knew. I wish you had experienced what I've experienced. I want, I want you to know the God I know. Does it mean that everything I ask for happens the way I want it? No. No, it doesn't. But I know it's real. There's no question. I have experiences that back that up. And there's no question about it. My faith is not a blind faith. And here's the thing. When you come to God, you start with faith. You do need to believe. And the, the writer to the, to the Hebrews, he writes this and says, It's impossible to please God without faith. Without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Now, I know people, their hearts are hard. You know what I mean by that. 
They're just, maybe they're angry. Maybe, maybe, maybe something they wanted God to do, he didn't do. Or maybe the way God has been defined. Or maybe they've seen Christians act ungodly or unchristlike. And so because of that, they're angry at him. And their heart is hard toward him. And so they can't even come to him with faith. Others come because they're broken and they're ready and they need God so desperately. They're willing for anything to happen. Regardless, we have to come to him with faith. But it's not a blind faith. It's actually faith in something that we can trust. Now, I share experience, my experience with my sister. and there's, I've experienced more than that. More than that. I've seen God do things that were just miraculous, unexplainable. Why, why now and why not then? And I've got questions like that. But the fact is, I know that's real. But, but he doesn't actually ask you to come just based on my experiences. Maybe for you, you haven't had those, and maybe you want something like that to happen, and maybe you, and people do this, and you know, there's examples even in Scripture about this, but maybe you say, God, I'm not going to believe you unless you do this. I just want to tell you, don't, don't put a roadblock like that between you and him. He's, he's not a puppet, and he's not like a little, he's not a sideshow to just do tricks for you. That's not it. He's a God who loves you and wants relationship with you. And he comes to you and he says, you need to come to me with faith and believe. And he will change everything. But he doesn't leave it just a blind faith. You know, we, we all have a mixture of feelings and, and, and facts that weigh into all of our decisions. And we believe something we hear on the news or, or we see in history. And, and our emotions or our facts play in. Or, or maybe something somebody tells you or something about Christianity. And you have this mixture. We're all that mixture. But he doesn't want you to just rely on the feelings or the experiences. He actually comes to you and he says, judge whether or not this is true. Take a look. And you may never have thought of the Bible like that. But it is, the thing is about Christianity, one of the things that separates it is it's grounded in history. And if you look at the New Testament, or even the Old Testament too, but if you look at the New Testament and the New Testament writers as eyewitnesses, they literally say over and over to the crowd that would be reading their, their writings you know this is true. They're inviting them as hostile witnesses to verify what they're writing is true. They say, this happened when you were here. And that's over and over as you look at the gospel writers. They were eyewitnesses to all of that. It's grounded in history. They mention places and names and titles and things that you could only know if you were there then. Because those titles didn't last forever, just like here today, you know, names change and titles change and city names change and all of that happens. They even, there's even parts in, in the book of Acts, which is basically the story of the early church, the beginnings of the church. There, there's this time where Paul is shipwrecked and the author Luke mentions how the currents go around Crete and Malta and different islands in the Mediterranean. What's fascinating is that is exactly true. How would he know that? He was a doctor by trade. He traveled with them. He only knew that because he was there. It's crazy. In, in 16 chapters in the book of Acts, there's 84 specific facts that have been verified by archaeology. If you're that kind of person who needs that kind of rational thinking, it's there. It happened. They were just eyewitnesses telling the story. Christianity is, is a thinking faith. It's not just a feeling faith. It's both. I want you to understand that you can trust it. And as you read it and you wonder, is this reliable? You can depend on it because it is. I mentioned this a minute ago. How do you even know what we know? Has anybody ever watched a TV show with, with uh, court and the lawyers going back and forth? And then they bring like an expert witness. 
You ever seen that happen? And then the other side brings an expert witness. <laughs> and you wonder, well, which expert do you trust? This one is for the, the plaintiff. This one's for the defense. I mean, how do you know? Who do you trust? That's how life is. You see something on TV that you know, says this about how the world came into being. You see this, and it says this is how the world came into being. Who do you trust? Just like in court, you have the ability to decide which expert you're going to trust. Some people say the world is like this. They say it's like this. You, you have this conflict. You have the experts. But God has given us a mind and an ability to decipher and determine, okay, well, should I trust this person and what they're saying? What are the facts behind it? How do they know what they think they know? And, or this person. And you decide which of those things is true. So think about this for a minute. You've got these eyewitnesses in the Bible. How do we know that they're reliable? Well, truth is, you, you would judge them like you would any other eyewitness. Think about this for a minute. Just think about this. J- Judaism had, had been a faith of the Jews since there were Jews, starting with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and, and going down for a thousand years. So these young Jews start following this man, Jesus. Now, as a Jew, they would have been trained in Judaism. There's, there's a lot of rules that go along with Judaism. They would have all probably gone through what today we call a bar mitzvah, where at age 12 they would have been considered a man and they would have had to quote copious amounts of the, of the Old Testament in the original language in Hebrew. They would have known all the festivals. They would have had to follow all those because to be, a, to be an observant Jew, you would have to do all those things. They would have to go to, the, go to, to the, uh, either the, do their own Shabbat in their home or they would have had to go to synagogue or gone to temple These are things that would never have changed. They would have been something their parents did and their parents' parents did and on and on and on. And then Jesus comes and he starts talking about changing all those things. He starts talking about being the fulfillment of all those things. He starts talking about himself being God. That would have been blasphemy. At that point, those Jewish guys would have had to determine, am I leaving everything I've ever known? Everything my whole family has ever taught, all of my community and society, because either Jesus was the fulfillment of all those things, or he was just an imposter. And there were many of those. What would it take for those guys to make that difference in that choice? As you read through the New Testament, you read through the Gospels, they tell you why. Because he did these miracles. Because he's taught like no one they had ever heard taught they themselves, at one point, he sends them out, and he, the Bible says that he gives them the authority and the power to cast out demons and to, to heal the sick, and they do that. Those guys lived an experience where they saw it with their own eyes. So that's why when they write about it, they just wrote what happened, and they say, we don't understand it all. We just know this is what happened, and it's true. That conversion meant they left everything They left the diet they'd been raised with. They left the way of living they'd been raised with. They left all of it because Christ fulfilled all of that. Nobody does that kind of thing lightly. When they saw his miracles and they talk about it. And and it's interesting because it's not like they were easy to be converted and to believe. In fact, when Jesus gives what we call the Great Commission, right before that, he's risen from the dead. They're looking at the risen Lord. And it literally says this in the book of Matthew. Matthew, the disciple, he, he records this. He says, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. That is an incredibly, let me hear me carefully, reassuring, reassuring 
honesty right there. Because you would think if they're making up the story, they're not going to write in that some doubted. And they're looking at the risen Lord himself. This faith is so important. To have faith to believe in this, they list all these details that, that you'd only list if you were actually there and you actually saw it the way they saw it. <laughs> let, me, let me make this clear today. As I was praying about today and thinking about the fact that so many people, as they look at Christianity, they don't understand why we believe. They don't even understand what it means to believe or to have faith or how important it is. And they may think that, that the faith that you have is, is something that's built on nothing, but you know that's not true. Here's something you may never have thought about. Faith is so important to this faith, this Christianity we, we practice, that it's the very basis for whether you're part of this or not. Do you believe it? Has he changed your life? Have you seen a difference? Have you tested it and found it to be true? One night when Jesus was on the earth and one of the Jewish rulers comes to him in the middle of the night and he asks him, what do I have to do? Because he knows all the rules, but he's talking to Jesus himself and he's heard this and he knows that something needs to change. And this is Jesus' answer to him. He says to him, This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. You have to believe in him that he came. A little later, the the apostle John, he he records this story and I want to set it up for you. What happened was, what happened was, a good friend of theirs, Lazarus, had died. Jesus had been healing people left and right. You would think that he'd heal his friend first. They get the news that Lazarus is sick and Jesus delays the trip. And his followers are curious, what's he doing? We need to get going. Four days later, they get there. He's not only dead, he's buried and in the grave. And his sisters are really upset. And one of them comes to Jesus. Now think about this conflict. Did they believe in Jesus? I think they did. Up till all they could know, yes, they believed in Jesus. And she comes to him and she's crying and she says to him, if you would have been here. Now, I don't know that it's, it's hard to see the tense and the attitude. And so, so part of me wonders if she said it like, come on, man, you are a friend. How could you let this happen? If you would have been here, you would be alive still. Part of me wonders if it was that part of me, if it was wondering just like, you know, you don't want to offend somebody, but you're still kind of kind of bugged by them. And you're like, man, if you'd have only been here right? Either way, breaks Jesus' heart. Why? Why does it break his heart? Because they didn't get it. That's what I want you to hear today, and I want you to feel. For those who don't believe, I want your heart to be broken for them, and I want you to be able to communicate to that to them in a way that draws them to faith, because it's that believing that you, they have to have faith to believe, and you need to be able to share your faith why you believe. Not just experiences you had, but, but also show them why the, the Bible itself is trustworthy. So here's what Jesus says to her. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am. He's telling her to her face, I'm here. I'm the resurrection. She didn't put it together. Brothers in a grave over here. I'm the resurrection. When I get there, there's going to be a resurrection. She doesn't get it yet. 
And he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who believes in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? I'm asking, do you believe it? Because if you believe that, it changes the way you live. It changes the way you talk about this faith of ours. It, it, it changes the way you share it with people. And how does that work? In, in the book of Romans, Paul writes this to the Romans. He says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And one last, one last scripture out of the, the book to Hebrews. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Because if you want to draw near to him, you have to believe that he exists. Faith is actually the instrument that takes us into relationship with him. I'm going to ask you to do something with me for a minute. I'd like you to just shut your eyes. It's not a blind faith. But it's actually a faith about events that happened in history that we can trust the eyewitness accounts of what happened. It's not just a faith in something, but it's a faith in someone. There's a person here who changes everything. And when you believe in him and you trust him, it changes not only your heart, it changes the way you see things, it changes your language. I mentioned for some people, it changes their addictions, it changes your value system, it changes how you look at other people, it gives you a compassion for people that goes far beyond, far beyond just caring about their daily needs, but it becomes eternal, their eternal needs. And it's all based on faith. Do you believe this? Maybe you're here today and you you realize your faith has been a little weak. Maybe some things have happened in your life that have shaken your faith. Maybe you're watching online and same for you. You're just not sure. And maybe in your mind you feel like you've got good reasons. I would say this, we all have good reasons. There's been things that have happened to all of us that we could point at and say, this is why, that is why. But what I'm telling you today is there's a God who loves you. He cares about you. He desperately wants a relationship with you. If you're here in the building today, we're going to close the service with some prayer, prayer time, if you'd like prayer for anything, anything that's going on in your life or your world. It could be physical, it could be spiritual, it could be personal. If you're here online, we'd love to pray with you. You could, you could easily text us. There's a prayer line you can text. You can email prayer at crownpointchurch.com. We'd love to connect with you like that. For those of us here online or in the room, I just want to pray with us for a minute. I'm going to pray, pray over you. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus, for those who are struggling with your faith, that you would grow their faith, that you in a supernatural way would start to communicate to them in ways that would just surprise them whether it's people who walk into their life or things they see or say. or God, I just ask that you would start to, to, to break down the wall that has separated them from you. God, I pray for those who maybe haven't put trust or faith in you at all, that, that you would open up that avenue to them, that they would come to you, that they would express their, their gratitude for your sacrifice and accept that, and they would come to know you in a new and a real way pray that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.